Ooh, you gotta like that music. Welcome to the Pastor Duke podcast, live from the Soviet Republic of New York. Uh, as those of you who follow my podcast, thank you so much. You mean the world to me. But uh, my, my forte is I've traveled around the country for about the past 14 years is biblical prophecy. It was biblical prophecy made the Bible come alive to me. It's been a hook. I've studied, I've preached it my whole life, but this past uh, 13 years I've been on the road doing conferences around the country. So that's my forte to try to keep you abreast of that. But then the, the second part of the purpose that I podcast is this. My soul, I've experienced God. He's shown up in my life. I know his, his word. I know his ways. And that's not to say I'm a great guy. It's just that I have a great God and I'm in awe of him. And so when I set out to do podcasting, I, I had uh, two things in my heart. Number one, to keep the prophetic end up. And I study, listen to news and podcasts and messages many hours each week, along with my wife who studies with me to compile all of that. But then the soul part, the 50 years in ministry that have made uh, just an incredible journey. Uh, I guess if in the old rock and roll band days, you'd say, <laughs> Duke's greatest hits, the Duke Meister's greatest hits. And that's what I want to share with you today. One of those that has made all the difference in the world for me. And it's a principle you see from the beginning to the end of Scripture. Um, I'll show you. Well, here we go. I have my Bible, Psalm 91, and it encapsulates this whole, not just a, a, a message, but whole experience. It, it's just at the core of what it means to be a, a person who has found God and wishes to walk with God and be used of God. Psalm 91.1, he that dwelleth in the secret place. That's where we're going today. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's what I want to talk about today, the secret place. We could go to an Old Testament example, Prophet Elijah. Kind of out of obscurity, God calls him, goes directly to King Ahab, who was wicked, <laughs> gets in his face. Mm -hmm. And that's not the fun part of being a, a man of God. Uh, but we got to call a spade a spade. We got to call out evil. And he did. He got in King Ahab's face and said, dude, you I wanted to paraphrase that a bit. Dude, you, you, you've messed up, and you have been warned. You didn't listen, and now you've crossed the line. God's going to send judgment. There's going to be three years of famine. And then the Bible says this to, to Elijah, God's man, go hide thyself by the brook Cherith. God is sending him directly to the secret place. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go to the secret place. And when you've not been there yet, you really have no clue what's waiting for you. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So in obedience to God, he goes by the brook Cherith, and miraculous things happen to him in private. There's nobody there. It's wilderness. It's not a fun place to be. Uh, it's a lonely place at the human level. But God had him right where he wanted him. 
in a secret place. No one else is around where he can learn to commune with God. And God supernaturally provided for him, sending in the ravens, which were dirty birds in reference to the uh, Levitical uh, dietary law. And the ravens brought him in his food. Oh, my goodness. And the Bible doesn't tell us how long he was there, but it, it was for a while. And it was next to the brook, Cherith. And the Bible says the brook dried up. God was going to move him from a private place now to a semi-public place. Hide thyself first. And then he's coming to a point where he's going to switch gears. Now that you've been in the secret place with me, you've experienced me, and you know me, you know my thoughts, you know my ways, and you've chosen to follow me and deny yourself, pick up your cross, you don't worry about what people are going to say or think about you, you're ready. He takes him from the brook Cherith, that secret place, to a semi-private place with the widow at Zarephath to sustain him supernaturally there. <laughs> it is kind of embarrassing, I think, for Elijah to have to go to a widow. You know, basically in God's providence, he's got those with material gain to to take care of those who are widows and orphans and the poor. And God's going to switch it up on him. And, of course, God's ready to do major miracles for Elijah as he's already experienced. He's just going to bring it up to another level where the, before it was totally private, now it's going to be a shared experience with the widow uh, at, uh, uh, at Zarephath. And so he, he meets her, and, you know, she's... They're in famine now. They, she's down to her last, and you know, God waits to the last minute, her last uh, bit of meal in, in her uh, vase or vase, however you say it. And the prophet comes and says, hey, feed me. <laughs> and she's just broken and like, you know, been counting down the days. She's got a little boy. She, 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 this is it. This is the, all the last food we've got. And then hunger kicks in. I'm going to have to watch my little boy starved to death, and I'm going to be with him. And the prophet shows up, says, feed me first. <laughs> God knew what he was going to do. And she complied. She obeyed. She trusted God. She put the prophet before herself. And, of course, then God began to do the miracles. <laughs> she makes the cakes of bread, and it seemed to be a little bit more than she thought, and there was food for the prophet and for herself. She goes back the next day, and Elijah said, check it out. There will be there'll be meal in there for t- today. And she Oh yeah, it was empty yesterday. It's full today. Yep. Guess what? It was uh, it was full, and God supernaturally provided for them. It went from by himself, secret place. Now he's sharing it with somebody else, and that's how God moves in our lives. He moves in our heart quietly in the secret place. Then he moves us from the secret place, connects us deeply to the hearts of other people, and they're watching us, and they're beginning to see the supernatural moving of the hand of God through those of us who've been in the secret place, (laughs) and they're experiencing God through us. But God is just getting started now. We're not told how long that season was. We know the total famine was for three years, so I'm assuming at the brook, maybe a few months, the widow at Zarephath, a few months. We're not told by the scriptures how long it was, so it isn't a big deal. The important thing is what their hearts, what was in their hearts, and what was God doing. Now God moves again. He says to the prophet, go show yourself again to King Ahab. 
And of course, this is going to be almost like suicide because Ahab hates his guts. He's blaming it all on the prophet of God, just like Satan that's always done. The bad guys are the good guys and good guys are the bad guys. So here we are again. And so Elijah's life is on the line now. He knows when the king sees him at the human level, he's dead meat. But he's so in tune with God now. He, he's he got this thing figured out. <laughs> he's not fearful. And he goes to the king. And he makes a challenge to the prophets of Baal. God's going to do a whole bunch of damage to the bad people real quick. And he challenges them to a, a kind of a, a duel of the gods. You get your prophets of Baal, 450 together on the top of Mount Carmel, and we'll have a little contest. You guys build a, uh, an altar to your God, and I'll build an altar to the real God. And we'll get the altar set up, and we'll, we'll, have, we'll go to business here. And the king accepts the challenge, and it's game on. Now the whole nation is watching. (laughs) Somebody who has been in the secret place is now, by the hand of God, in the public place. And the Lord is with him. The 400 prophets of Baal build their altar, lay on their sacrifice. They try to call fire down from heaven. (laughs) Nothing happens. And the prophet Elijah, I love this guy. He's mocking him. Maybe your God's asleep and... (laughs) Well, some versions, I don't go for this, but I saw one version of a paraphrased version of the Bible said, what is your God on the toilet or something? It was, it was crazy. But Elijah was mocking them and nothing happened. They were cutting themselves as they do in paganism and self-mutilation and nothing happened. Then it came time and Elijah rebuilds the altar, puts on this, the wood and the, and the sacrifice. And then he mocks him further by saying, hey, go bring four barrels of water, pour it on my sacrifice. Four more, four more. And now there's water all up in the trenches around it. It's a mess. And water was a premium because it's been drought and famine. And so he's mocking them even further. And then he calls upon the real God. God's got his man in the right place at the right time with the right heart attitude, and all heaven comes down by way of fire, consumes the sacrifice, sucks up the water, and the nation saw who the real God was, and uh, yet nobody repented. I think that's kind of where we're at today. You know, God is moving, and people are coming to know Christ as Savior. The church of Jesus Christ is alive and well, being persecuted now. And unfortunately, some are turning away, and some are watering it down. But nonetheless, the witness of God still stands. Just listening to this podcast is evidence of that. There's still 7,000 have not bowed their knee to Baal. And so now God does huge things publicly, and the nation saw the power of the real God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God wants to do similar type things to you and I, but he says, (laughs) go hide thyself. And I remember as a uh, new believer back in 1972, I was a party animal, Friday night, Saturday night, party night, party till you puke. And that was since seventh grade, getting drunk, getting high, uh, partying, uh, revelry every weekend, all, all Friday night, Saturday, most of the day, Sunday, even Sunday night. And, um, now I'm saved. Christ is in me. He's transforming my life. The things I used to do, don't do them anymore. Place I used to go, don't go there anymore. Uh, and so Friday night, sitting at my house alone at my desk in my bedroom, I was learning about the secret place of the Most High. And oh my goodness, there was a lot to learn. So here I am learning about the secret place 
of the Most High. 18 years old, chosen not to go to the parties. I'm going to go to my secret place. And to be honest with you, I was a little forlorn, a little reluctant. Um, I just knew that I'm done with the world. I'm done with the party life. When I was out there laughing on the outside, I was crying on the inside. And now I have peace. (laughs) I'm not popular anymore. I got nowhere to go. But I'm telling you, I went to the secret place, had my Bible open, and things began to happen in the secret place of the Most High. He that dwelleth, that means you, you dwell there. You're just going in and out. You dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And I remember getting there and feeling sorry for myself and there's nowhere to go. And then all of a sudden I'm beginning to find myself in the presence of the Lord. I start out with some positions. Okay, God, I'm not going to the world and I need your help here. And I, I need, I think, I want, and and. It's probably not the best heart attitude, but I was there. I had tuned out the world. I had said no to the ways of the world, the parties of the world, and, you know, wine, women, and song, and all that. It had been my whole life. And now that's over. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And in that secret place, I begin to find that my petitions, oh, Lord, I want this, I need that, please. My petitions kind of faded and were transformed into praise. Uh, Praise that the darkness has now turned into light. The condemnation has now turned into salvation. Uh, Doing life on my own, no more. Lord, you're with me. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a guide to my path. I'm saying no to the, the temptations that I never said no to temptation. Man, I was jumping in with both feet. And I began to realize that this great God who created the, the universe, who twisted those stars into their eternal sockets, which had mesmerized me my whole life from my childhood days, looking up at night, that God has pulled me aside. He's sanctified me. I've yielded. I'm now in the secret place of the Most High. My petitions were turned into praise. My frustrations with people who were opposing me, I thought everybody would want to listen to me. I want to tell you how to go to heaven. They didn't want to listen to me. They mocked me. They made fun of me, and it hurt at the human level. But now I'm in the secret place of the Most High, and uh, those uh, that anger towards people who are doing me wrong the anger goes away, and uh, I'm kind of counting it a, a blessing, a privilege to suffer for his namesake. They hate me because they hated him, and I'm beginning to enter into this walk with Christ, Christ in me, using me to be his representative and ambassador for Christ. He's walking now in my shoes. He's touching now with my hands. He's taking me 
to the widows to care for them and the orphans, bringing me to go visit my lonely widowed grandmother when nobody else went to see her. And God put on my heart. And after visit, after visit, after visit, I got to lead my grandma to Christ. She was a Jehovah's Witness. And she pulled me aside and said, I've never had a change in my life like you do. The Jehovah's Witnesses tell me that you are a heretic, you're a false teacher, but I know the Spirit of God is in you and you got the truth. I got to lead my grandma to Jesus. How cool is that? But it all started in the secret place of the Most High. You know, I had no clue what that even meant, the secret place, until I got there and things begin to change, not so much on the outside, but on the inside. Uh, people that uh, sinned against me, it didn't bother me much. I was not so much focused on what they had done to me. I was focused on how I had sinned against God, and his grace was sufficient to, to forgive me, cleanse me from all my sins. I'm in awe of that. And now the things, the wrongs that people do to me, they don't bother me much. And I found in that secret place of the Most High, I found peace that passeth all understanding. Even if things weren't, you know, if I didn't have as much money as I wished I could, as I'm trying to save money to go to Bible college, and then something would go wrong with my car, and I'd have to spend uh, money on uh, mechanical repairs of the car, and I wanted to save that money for Bible college, there were testings all along the way. And I would get frustrated, but when I'd go back, to my secret place. You know, it's interesting, the secret place, it isn't so much the human place, it is the secret part of it, uh, where I'd be alone. When I was a new believer, my secret place was my bedroom and uh, at my desk with my light and with my Bible. When I went to Bible college, that was a little bit of a, a challenge. <laughs> I think there was 2,500 people packed on about two acres of, of property in these dorm buildings and three roommates and at a time and 48 guys on the floor. And uh, finding a secret place, that was a little bit more difficult. So out behind the, the school, uh, the parking lot behind the school was a lot. Behind the parking lot was a field. It was owned by the school. It was just a field. And there was some trees up along the, a row. And I'd kind of go back there and get alone. I could see the stars and and I'd be alone. There was a lot of activity out around me, but I was 100 yards from any people. I could kind of hear their voices a little bit, not understanding what they were saying. But I got as far from people as I could. I got alone with my God. And I also had some places. I'd ha I didn't have a car my first year, so I have to ride my bike out to some uh, secret places along Daniel's Lake. And uh, so you had to work at it. I remember summer of 76, I uh, was in a dorm. The summer I met Joe Allen, uh, intern at Temple Baptist Church, Detroit, Michigan, Redford, western suburb. And uh, 14 of us packed into this one big dorm room. <laughs> I had to work hard to find a secret place there. Too. I had one indoors, kind of in the corner of a building in a little closet area. There was a little storage closet I kind of found in there. And when the weather was good, I'd go outside in front of the building, right out front. But there, and at night, there was lights shining, and there was this little dark corner. I could go in there and be all alone. And I used to spend... Uh, many evenings in my secret place on the front yard of Temple Baptist Church in that little dark shadowed corner. Never forget it. Just drove by there this past year, and that secret place is still there. God did a lot of wonderful things in my heart in that secret place. It was really in, the, in that secret place where God began to speak to me about Joellen. <laughs> she just might be the one, and it turns out she was the one. So, Man, in that secret place, 
there's forgiveness for others, there's peace for our soul. There are these challenges that come, things the Spirit of God puts in your heart and in your mind to attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Those things were happening in my heart in that secret place. Out uh, in the woods one day, a secret place, my preacher said, you got to learn to walk the woods. And it was in Pleasant Valley for those of you, my friends who listen in from Lucas, Ohio, out by Malabar Farm, down Tucker Road, the old cemetery. And then there's a path over the hill uh, from the Tucker Cemetery uh, up. uh, There's a little creek, hike up the creek, a little waterfall set next to that waterfall. And that's where God called me to preach. You see, I was in that secret place. I was tuning out the world. I was walking the woods. My preacher said, never let the same guy come out of the woods that goes in. And I went in to the woods that day. Uh, I believe it was September 25th, 1972. I'd been safe for about three months. And man, reading the book of Jude, God called me into the ministry. I didn't even really know what that meant, but I knew I was called. There was a fire burning in my heart to preach the gospel. It happened in a secret place. But I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit. I know this is kind of a stretch, but I go back to that same summer, summer of 76. I had my secret place in the in the building, in the dorm room, uh, building. And then I also had a secret place out front. But I was invited out to a little prayer uh, group, a little prayer meeting at uh, Charlie Mifsud's house. I think Charlie might be tuning this in. <laughs> I met Joelle in, in your living room, Charlie. You know that. And we've celebrated that ever since. Uh, and the first night there was about 12 of us and we got down on our knees. I, I didn't know what to expect. And seven thirty, we gathered in the room and we read a verse in the Bible. We got on our knees <laughs> and we prayed for three hours. Uh, I had parts of my body that were going to sleep <laughs> and I had to stretch out on the floor in different positions. We prayed for three hours and something was moving in that secret place. It wasn't all alone, but it was 12 of us. And it grew to 14 and 16 and 18. And we never veered from our little thing. It was no, we didn't even share prayer requests. We just prayed. Why would you share it and then pray? Just just take it straight to God. And we were sharing it in prayer at the same time. And so uh, <laughs> same agenda every week. And other people heard about it and they wanted to come. And we got along with God as a group of people and prayed and prayed and prayed. Sometimes we just spontaneously break out and sing the old hymns of the faith. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And sometimes somebody just opened the Bible. I remember uh, a guy opened us John 17, the intercessory prayer where Jesus is praying for us. Are you kidding me? Oh, heaven came down over and over again that that summer at the prayer meetings, we sometimes we were at Charlie's house, sometimes we were at his brother Joe's house, and uh, we got alone with God. It wasn't just one person, it was about 15 of us. But every Thursday night from about 7 o'clock, to, we'd pray for at least three hours, and then we'd just kind of have a cup of tea and a little bite, a little pastry maybe. And it was like sometimes you didn't even want to talk because the ground upon which we stand is holy ground. We just spent three hours with the Lord. Nobody trying to be anybody, but just to be servant of the Lord. We were all young people. Uh, I think maybe one high school, uh, probably 10 single adults, including me, but not for long. (laughs) And uh, I think there were four 
uh, married couples, young married couples, all of us seeking the will of God for our lives. And it was kind of our group secret place, if there is such a thing, but it was a sacred place for sure. And I look back, and those of us who were there will never forget. It's a highlight of our life. We just call it the prayer meeting. It's always the prayer meeting. Didn't matter whose house it was at. It was a group of people sold out to God at his feet, begging him to show us his path for life. Out of that group, Joe and Jenny Miff said, missionaries to Malta. Joe's dad was a um, from Malta, and they found out they had citizenship for their children. And it's crazy. You couldn't even get in Malta, but Joe could. I mean, we found all these things out. Missionaries to Malta to this day, building a great church on the island of Malta where Paul was shipwrecked. How cool is that? Out of that prayer meeting, out of that prayer meeting, Dave Bulka went to New Jersey, established a church, First Baptist Church in Caldwell, New Jersey. That church has birthed seven or eight other churches. We came to upstate New York, birthed the church, has birthed seven other uh, baby churches. Charlie went to Connecticut, founder of Liberty Baptist Church, which is still a strong church this day. Uh, Dan Bunatello and Sandy went to Massachusetts and pastored in Framingham, Massachusetts for years. Don Tantanella went somewhere also in the Northeast and has been in ministry ever since. All out of that group, uh, one guy became an evangelist, he and his family. And so out of that prayer group, that secret place, as it were, for the 15 of us, there's been like 18 churches planted, and those churches are planting other churches. We won't know to the other side exactly what God did through that group of people. But we as, as a group, could that be? We dwelt in the secret place of the Most High that summer. And under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. And so the secret place was huge. So fast forward to New York for a closing story today. Um, I had experienced the secret place. Now, when church planters would go out, there's two ways you do it. Not one, you kind of go out and tell all your friends about it and contact pastors and be kind of a missionary. Hey, I'm Duke Herget. I'm going to uh, Albany, New York area to start a church. Wondering if you'd like to have a, 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 a missionary, I'll represent you. They'll give you some money, uh, and that helps sustain you when you get to the field. We call it raising our support. I just didn't have peace about that. I just, I had an old preacher say, uh, Duke, did God call you to preach? Jesse Sager. I said, yes, uh, brother Sager. He said, well then just shut up and go preach. <laughs> that was great counsel. And that's what we did. We just came to New York, but you see, I cheated. I'd spent a lot of time in the secret place. And Jesus said, my father who seeth in secret, will reward you openly. There we go. So, uh, you know, I like to tell the story. Well, we came to New York. We didn't have any support. I think God would say, shut up. Don't say that. What do you mean you didn't have any support? You had me. I was your support. I knew your needs even before you asked. Now, here's the conflict, and it's kind of humorous now, but uh, I had pastor friends, Joellen's home pastor, Dr. A.V. Henderson. Well, when there's time to go out, let us know where you're going and we'll send you money. And I, I knew my home church would send us money. I had a lot of, of my professors from school. Hey, call us. Uh, we'll get you hooked up with some preachers, raise some support. I just, I just never did. I just came. <laughs> I had confidence in the secret place. My heavenly father sees it secret and he'll reward me openly. We got up here. Let me tell you, we were tested. We're only a couple months in. We don't have any money. 
<laughs> we got bills coming in. I'm working. I'm making about half as much money as I need to work. We got like 25 people in our church. I am so far in over my head. And uh, I remember what my preacher said to my pastor and Joel and so pastor. They put their arm around me. Now, you know, when you go out, if you ever have a need, don't hesitate to call. <laughs> and they meant it. They loved us. But I just didn't want to call man. I wanted to call on God, my heavenly father, who holds in his hand the heart of all kings and money. God is my provider. And so I was an old school boy, a young man. And Joel and I went to that secret place of the Most High in the stories that unfolded, especially that first year, because we didn't have support. But even though we didn't try to raise support, my home church sent me 100 bucks a month. Our church in Missouri sent us, uh, 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 I think, $50 a month. A group of churches in New York called the New York State Baptist Bible Fellowship sent me $50 a month for a year. So we had a little bit of support that came in. But then I just got jobs working uh, uh, nights at UPS, mornings and afternoons driving school bus. It was a rough couple years, but I worked hard. God provided for us. Miraculous things happened. I recorded those on many of my other podcasts. But here's what I want to kind of wrap it up with today. There is a place that you can go to that will provide your needs. There's a place that you can go drug-free. <laughs> you don't need to take um, prescription drugs to find peace. Uh, in that secret place, you will find peace that passeth all understanding. And he will keep your heart and your mind uh, when you lock him in and tune the world out. So do you have a secret place? Today, my secret place uh, is in my little uh, room with a little basement window and a little chair and a little light and a little pillow. And I sit my Bible down. I got to get just right because I got cataracts on my eyes and I can't see unless I get everything perfect. But I got a secret place and God will give you a secret place and you need to get there and find out what happens. Not just the changes on the outside, which he'll always meet your needs and show himself mighty, but what will happen on the inside in the secret place. I can be fussing with my wife a little bit, getting the secret place in the most high and all of a sudden <laughs> she's the most perfect woman in the world and I love her to death. There's just healing and there's help and there's provision and there's peace in the secret place of the Most High. Do you have a secret place? If not, why not? You're going to love it when you get there. And people say, well, how will you know if, 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 you, if you're there? Uh, if you can't wait to leave, you're not there yet. That's what I find in my secret place. Uh, I get in the presence of God. I'm reading his word. I'm praying it back to him. Things are happening in my heart. I have joy. I'm not frustrated by the things I hear on the news. I'm ready for Jesus to come. I'm just in gear. I'm saying, Lord, use me for your glory today. Let me do something eternal. And it's time to go. I got appointments, but I don't want to go. And so when you are in that sweet, sacred, secret place, you won't want to leave. But then God will send you forth, just like he sent Elijah from hide thyself, to show thyself. Elijah had his secret place. John the Baptist had his secret place, the Judean wilderness. Jesus had his secret place. Remember how he said to sent the disciples out on the boat that night to get across the sea? Jesus says, I'm going to my secret place. I need to hang out with my dad. <laughs> I need to be with the father. He knew about it. John the Baptist knew about it. Elijah knew about it. I know about it. I think you know about it too. 
get there. You're going to need it. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning me in again. I'm so thankful my podcast numbers continue to grow. Had some exposure at the national level, and uh, I'm very thankful. And if you could help me by um, sharing this um, these podcasts with other people, uh, subscribe, and um, I'm just praying that it'll continue to grow and uh, bring glory to God. So thanks for joining me today. <laughs> Go to the secret place. You'll see what I'm talking about. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>